Well, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so good to be together today, and I'm so thankful that you're watching, that you're here, being a part of what God's doing, and whether you're at one of our campuses or whether you're watching online, uh, maybe you're in Franklin, Nolensville, Nashville, maybe you're on vacation somewhere, maybe you're one of the 50 states in the U.S., or maybe you're around the world, but yet I believe that God has brought you today, and I believe that God has a word for all of us today as we grow deeper in our faith and grow further in our relationship with Him. Uh, you know, we're coming today to the conclusion of an amazing series. We have been in this great series called Forward, and I believe God's calling all of us to go forward. You know, we've been living in 2020, and it's so easy to get stuck in 2020, right? There are things that we've experienced this year that we've never experienced in our life. You know, never before in our lives have we had sheltering in place or social distancing. You know, when we walk up, we try to measure how far we are from somebody else. Uh, we've never walked into stores with masks on. I mean, this is a whole new world for all of us. You know, quarantining has become kind of something that we're familiar with or talk about, furloughing, and, and, and all these different things. Uh, even in 2020, we've discovered that there's murder hornets. I never even knew those things existed. They're, they're, they're coming or what that means and, and having sports canceled or having vacations canceled and, and all this. And it would be so easy for us to get stuck. It would be so easy for all of us to get angry or bitter and, and just look at our lives and go, you know what? I'm going to wait for New Year's. I just can't wait for 2021. And yet what we've seen in this series and what God is speaking to each of us is to say this, go forward. <laughs> Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't stay in the same place. Go forward. Because God is sovereign. God's in control. He is over every situation. And whatever we are facing today, we know that God is enough. See, courage is not the absence of fear. No, courage is going forward even in the midst of fear. Right? Courage is stepping out and going the way that God has called us to go. And I have loved what God has been teaching us and challenging us in this series. It is so timely. Now in our series, we've been walking with the Apostle Paul. And Paul is writing this letter to the church in Philippi. It's the letter of, called Philippians. And, and Paul is writing from prison, right? He's in the early 60s. He's in prison for being a Christ follower. He's been leading the movement of what God's been doing in the Roman Empire at that time. The Roman Empire is persecuting Christians and now Paul's in Rome, and, and he's being persecuted in prison. But he's not mad, he's not angry, he's not bitter. In fact, in these four chapters, he uses the word joy 19 times. <laughs> he says, hey, rejoice in the Lord always. And so can we just rejoice? Right here, right now, in the middle of all we're going through, let's rejoice. Let's say, God, you're on your throne. God, I have my health. God, I have my family. God, I have salvation in Christ. I have hope in Jesus, and I am going forward in you. Now today, we come to the conclusion, and we are gonna be in Philippians chapter four. And guys, this is one of the greatest chapters in all of the Bible. And so I hope and pray that you've got God's word with you wherever you are today. I just wanna encourage you to pull out a Bible, to pull out your mobile device, to go onto YouVersion, or to go on the Rolling Hills app, but I want you to go with me to Philippians chapter four. And I want you to see this truth today. And if you've got a, a way to underline your Bible or to highlight notes online or to write some notes down in a journal, hey, God's gonna speak to you and challenge us today because this is something that impacts all of our lives, every single one of us. And it impacts every situation that we're in now or that we'll be in one day. And so Philippians chapter four. Now remember Philippians chapter one, right? 
Paul says, I, I thank my God every time I remember you. He's writing this church in Philippi, which is about 800 miles away. And this church has sent gifts to Paul. Even when he's in prison, they sent him money. They sent him clothes. They sent him some scrolls, some, you know, encouragement letters to this guy, Epaphroditus. And so Paul's writing back to them. And he's encouraging them and challenging them. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. <laughs> joy, right? One of the 19. Joy because of your partnership in the gospel. Hey, we're all in this thing together. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Chapter two, he says, just look at Jesus. If you wanna know how to live, look at Jesus. He went through hard times. He went through challenges, but man, he kept going forward. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Chapter three, he says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. And now chapter four, he says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Okay, so when he says, therefore, we have to say, what's it there for? So it ties back in, look at verse 15. All of you who are mature, all of you who are mature should take such a view of things. So he's talking about spiritual maturity. Now we said last week that spiritual maturity comes as we work out our salvation. That we mature physically as we grow up, but we should be maturing spiritually. And so Paul says, as you're maturing spiritually, you stand firm in the Lord. You know who you are in the Lord. You are a son or a daughter of the King of Kings. And then he says in verse two, I plead with Judea and I plead with Sinti to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Now, we don't know what was going on with Judea and Sinti. There was obviously a disagreement. Those things happen, right? These two women who have been passionate about serving God in the church alongside Paul, they've got a disagreement happening. But I love what Paul does. He doesn't take one side or the other. He just says, hey, I plead with you, agree. I plead with you, have unity. And church, come around them, help them. You know, it's so easy for us to get frustrated with other people. And sometimes when we're not happy inside or sometimes when things are hard inside, we can take it out on others. But for us to be unified, for us to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And here's what Paul's saying, church, be unified. And then he comes to verse four. In verse four, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice, exclamation point. Remember, he's writing this from prison, but he's saying rejoice. God is at work. God still has given you breath in your lungs. You are still are here for a reason and for a purpose, so rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. You know, sometimes when we get bitter or we get angry or we get frustrated, our plans get canceled. We, we can take it out on other people. We can get angry at others, but he said, let your gentleness. Are you gentle? <laughs> Are you kind? He said, let your gentleness be evident to all. You know, as you think about rejoicing, as you think about gentleness, it really is the road less traveled, right? Everybody else is gonna go and be frustrated and try to get their own way, but, but when you live this way, you're living the road less traveled. You're living differently. And it all comes to what he's gonna say next. It all comes down to this, the Lord is near. 
being aware that God is near, that God is with me, that God is around me, that God has a plan and a purpose for me, that I'm gonna live my life for an audience of one, him. I'm living my life for him. And then verse six and seven, and if you underline your Bible, here you go. Just start underlining right here. Do not be anxious about anything. Are you anxious today? Are you anxious today about something? Maybe it's your kids going back to school. Maybe it's a grandparent, you know. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's finances. I don't know. But it says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, every situation, whether you're in prison or whether you're in 2020, right? Every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, be thankful. Be thankful of what you have in the Lord. Present your request to God. See, so often we try to solve our problems instead of bringing them to God, instead of presenting them to God. And he says, in the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We want peace. We all want peace, right? But we try to get it by controlling things instead of trusting in Him. So he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, right? Put that in your mind. Let your mind just have that going over and over, the things that are good, the things that are right, the things that are pleasing to the Lord. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. And then we come here as Paul just kind of directs to the church. He says, hey, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And now I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Now that's pretty awesome, right? I mean, so many people in our world, we just want to be content. We just want to be content in life, but we never are. We're never satisfied. We're never content. But Paul said, I've learned what it is to be content. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. And that's true. Paul did. Remember, Paul was 28, 29, or 30 years old before he accepted Christ. And before his life, his name was Saul, and he was an attorney. He was a lawyer. He was wealthy. He was religious. He was well-respected. He had a lot of money. And then he gives his life to Christ, right? And he still has some money. He becomes a tent maker in order to make money to go do mission trips. Uh, but then as he's serving the Lord, right? He's shipwrecked. He's beaten. He knows what it is to have everything gone. He says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret. Now I love secrets, right? And he's like, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. Here I am in my early 60s. I've walked with Jesus for 30 years. Here's the secret. The secret of being content in any in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And here it is, verse 13, underline it. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. He's like, wow, the secret is living your life in Christ. That's it. You live your life in him. Yet, it was good of you to share in my troubles to the church. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except only you. 
So Paul goes, church, you remember when, when I went on this mission trip? I was there, we helped start the church and, and Lydia's home and it was growing. And then I felt called to go and do more mission trips and you supported me. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. And not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more to be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. He's like, great job, church. You were generous. You ministered to me and you ministered to a lot of other people by your generosity. Thank you. And then verse 19, underline this one too, right here. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And my God will meet all of your needs. Hey, what needs do you have today? God can meet them. Oh, God can exceed them. <laughs> he will meet all of your needs. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he comes to the final greetings, right? As we've been walking verse by verse through this incredible letter. He says, greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Oh, isn't that beautiful? I love this. All right, there's some incredible truths for you today and for me today from Philippians chapter four. And so I wanna encourage you, if, if you have the Rolling Hills app, you can fill in some blanks. If you have a journal to write some things down, if you wanna fill in some blanks on worship guides. But here's some things I want you to get. Number one is this, turn everything over to the Lord. Turn everything over to the Lord, right? He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace, look at that, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Anxiety comes when we focus on our circumstances instead of focusing on Jesus. That's when anxiety comes. You know, some of you, you're professional worriers, right? You just worry about everything. And if I'm to be honest with all of us, right? Anxiety comes when we focus on our circumstances. We wanna fix it. We wanna be in control. We wanna make sure it goes the way we want it to go. Hey, look at this. The cure for anxiety is prayer every time. The cure for anxiety is us getting on our knees and saying, God, I'm giving it to you. Instead of me trying to fix it, me trying to handle it, me trying to fix, you know, here in prison or 2020 or all the things that are challenges out there, every situation, God, I'm giving it to you. I'm just placing it in your hands. I'm turning it over to you right here, right now. Hey, in every situation, there's nothing too great or too small for God. Please see that today. You know, have you prayed about your marriage? Have you prayed about your kids going back to school? Have you prayed about you going back to school? Maybe you're in school right now. Maybe you're in college and you're watching this. Or, or have you prayed about what's happening in our nation? God, I want to give it to you in every situation. Yes, we're experiencing things we've never experienced before, but God, we give it to you. And we give you the things that we've always experienced the joys and the struggles, God, in every situation. Hey, when we turn everything over to the Lord, then we experience peace. 
I want you to notice that. When we turn everything over to the Lord, we experience peace. My wife, Lisa, uh, when she was working full time, it was a couple years, we had been married just for a couple years and, and she was sent to Japan to do a photo shoot. And so she's a graphic designer and she was gonna be flying to Japan. She had to hire models and everything in Japan. And she was nervous. She was really anxious about it. And so she sat down and she wrote note cards in this Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. And I remember us being at the airport and, and together we prayed before she got on the plane and she was reading it. And, and I'm gonna tell you, when she got there to Japan and she had this amazing time and God opened some doors and she would end up praying with people there. And she said, Jeff, I gotta tell you, there was a peace. I don't know how it, it happened, but God went before me and I wasn't anxious. There was something that happened there. You know, 17 years ago when God called us to plant rolling hills, I gotta tell you, I was nervous. And Lisa said, hey, do you remember when I went to Japan? And I said, yeah. And she said, you just need to pray these verses. You need to pray these verses. My wife had more faith than I did. Uh, and so I, I started praying these verses. I remember somebody said to me, you know, well, how are you gonna plant a church? I was like, oh, God's calling us, I don't know. And he's like, how are you gonna support a family? I don't know, you know? And I started to get even more anxious, right, about this. And, and yet, when I started praying that, we went away for a weekend, we, we were at this retreat center and I'm walking up and down by a river and just quoting this over and over again. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. And I gotta tell you, I probably quoted that 15 times and read those words. And then there was this peace. And I just turned and said, okay, God, this is it. We're going, we're gonna plan. And I didn't have all the answers. Didn't know how it was all gonna go down. I had a great job. I loved it. I had great people that loved me. But, but I knew this was where God was calling. And there was a peace and it just passed all understanding, but it was God. Again, March 12th of this year, 2020. I'll never forget it, right? It was a Thursday and, and we're just getting the word that, hey, we're gonna have to close all the buildings for Rolling Hills. I mean, and I was anxious. I mean, we were getting ready to have a grand opening in our Nashville campus and, and Nolensville and our Franklin Student Center and, and it was gonna be gone. And, and yet I started praying these words. Do not be anxious about anything through everything, prayer, petition. And, and God just brought a peace. And I wanna tell you, God's done immeasurably more than we could have ever imagined. The lives have been impacted both here and around the world. It's only God. And so I wanna encourage you, write these words down, put them in your back pocket because there's gonna be a time in your life, right? And I want you to pull it out and go, listen, I'm not gonna let anxiety win. Uh-uh, I'm turning it over to the Lord. I'm giving it to him right now. Hey, life changer right there. Look at this, number two, filter what goes into your mind. Filter what goes into your mind. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, here's the filter, right? If it's pure, lovely, admirable, anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So the filter that comes in is, hey, does it fit in this criteria? Is that what I'm gonna allow into my mind? Paul tells us what should occupy our minds instead of anxiety and worry. He says, instead of letting anxiety and worry take up space there, you occupy it with things that are true and noble and right and pure. What you ponder eventually comes out in what you practice. Now don't miss that. What you ponder eventually comes out in what you practice. Uh, as a pastor, I've counseled with a lot of 
a lot of men, right? And there's guys who've had affairs. And I, I tell you, when you start talking to them, and man, they'll just break down and cry. And you realize it wasn't just a spur of the moment decision. Hmm. They've been playing out this scenario for a long time. They've been thinking about it. It had been planning it. It had been like a fantasy in their mind. And then they acted on it. Guys, you can't let your mind go there. Can't let your mind go there. Hey, students, listen out there. You know, if you're watching and you're, you're a child, you're a teenager, the enemy wants to get in your mind. And you get on social media and you start comparing yourself to everybody else and how you look and how you feel. And then you're just gonna play out those scenarios. Parents, we have to be careful what our kids see and what our kids watch. I saw a statistic recently that, that teenagers, 12 to 17, see an average of 143 sexual content messages every single week. And it's through the things that we watch, right? It's on social media, it's on TikTok, it's on, you know, Netflix, it's on the things. And, and we just have to say, hey, there's good things that are out there, but I gotta filter what comes into my mind because what I ponder is eventually what I'm gonna practice. And I gotta think about that. See, what you feed grows. What you starve dies. You feed the word of God in your mind, you're gonna grow in the word of God. You feed pornography in your mind, it's gonna grow in your mind. It just will, I'm telling you. You can starve it though. You stop watching. You stop allowing it in. You let the filter stop it. And then all of a sudden it changes you. It changes you. See, you change your thoughts, you change your life. You change your thoughts, you change your life. There's an old saying, it says, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. So a habit, reap a lifestyle. So it comes back here, the thoughts. And Paul knew that, right? Paul knew exactly where the battle is fought and the battle is won right there in your mind. Look at this. The secret of the Christian life is contentment. It's the secret. It's the secret. But it's the thing everybody wants is this. But it's the secret of the Christian life. He says, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret. <laughs> of being content in every situation. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I love that. Contentment is the secret of the Christian life. Uh, you know, you talk to people and they're like, well, man, when I retire, whoo, I can't wait. I'm living for retirement, man, you know, and I only have, and they got it mapped out to the years and the days because they think that's where contentment's gonna be. Or you talk to people, they go, yeah, I gotta get a beach house. I'm gonna get a beach house or I'm gonna get a lake house or or you talk to me, oh, I'm gonna go on vacation and, and I'm gonna get a spa day and, and all this stuff. But it doesn't ever satisfy <laughs> because contentment can come in Christ and in Christ alone. Hey, are you living the Christian life in your strength or in God's strength? Well, a lot of times we get frustrated because we're trying to live in our own strength. We're trying to make our own things happen. And, and yet he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Yeah, I love athletes that are, are so sold out for Jesus. And, and some of them, right, they'll put the eye patch on, Philippians 4.13, all right? They put on a wristband or, or you just see it. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And for us, it's not just an athlete. It's, it's us in everyday life. It's going to work. It's being a dad. It's being a mom. It, it's being a student. It's being a coworker. It's us living out. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I don't need to fight this battle on my own. <laughs> I need the power of God working in me. Hey, contentment comes knowing that God has you. 
Contentment comes knowing God's got this. Why am I stressed out about this? Why am I anxious about this? Why am I worried about this? The sovereign God of the universe has got this. That's when you start to have contentment. That's when your life is impacted. Hey, look at this one. Learn to trust God with all your needs. With all of your needs. Notice this. And my God will, I want you to see this word, will, meet all of your needs, right? According to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. The riches of his glory. What an incredible promise. He says, I will, not I can, not I could, not I might, I will meet all your needs. Now there's a difference between needs and wants, okay? But God has met all of our needs, right? I mean, think about it. All of your needs, you know, salvation, food, clothes, relationships. God is meeting your needs every day at every moment. And if we could live knowing that God's gonna take care of me, that God is for me, God holds all the riches of the world in his hands. I saw a statistic the other day that said only 17% of Christians, right? People who call themselves Christians, tithe, give their first 10% back to God. And I started thinking about that and I thought, wow, that's sad. One, right? It means 83% of people don't do that. Now, praise God, I think it's higher here at Rolling Hills. But still, you know what it said to me is this, is that we put our trust in money. And we think that, man, I've got to have every single dollar because somehow I can amass riches that are going to take care of me. I can't even trust God with 10%. When the God of the universe holds all the riches of the world in his hands. I mean, think about that. God's like, I'm giving you 90% and I'm only asking you for 10%. But I'm asking that for you. It's not like God needs it, but I saying, I just want you to put me first. I want you to invest in the things that matter. And a lot of times we can't do it because our faith and our trust is in the riches of the world versus the riches of God. And he's like, I can meet all your needs. I can take care of you. Come on, trust me. See, it's the root and the fruit. It's really what it boils down to, the root and the fruit. When you wake up in the morning, right? Think about it. If you root yourself in the things of the world, what's gonna come out of your life is worry and anxiety. Like if you get up in the morning and the first thing you do is you turn on the news and man, you're just watching all the news or you're going online and, and you're reading, you're starting to get anxious. You're looking at the election. You're looking at murder hornets. You're looking at, you know, coronavirus. You're getting more and more anxious. Or if you go on social media, the first thing you do and you start scrolling through and you're thinking, wow, well, they went out without me, you know, and, and look at, they got a new car and look, they did, you get anxious and worried. But if the first thing you do is you root yourself in the word of God and you go, hey, let me just read this right here. I'm gonna read a chapter a day. I got this daily step on my Rolling Hills app and I'm gonna read in Luke, I'm gonna read in Psalms and I'm gonna read in Philippians and I, I wanna root myself there. You know what's gonna come out in your life? The fruit of the spirit. The fruit is this, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That's what comes out of your life. So where are you rooting yourself? Because that's gonna determine the fruit. And a lot of times we try to work on the fruit when we ought to be working on the root. Hey, look at this one. Ordinary people moving forward in Christ will change the world. Ordinary people moving forward in Christ will change the world. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. 
Oh my goodness. When the church of Philippi saw that, they had to be blown away because the gospel had already penetrated into Caesar's household. That's amazing. I mean, I gotta tell you guys, the Roman Empire was persecuting Christians. Paul's in prison for being a Christ follower. But in the middle of that, he didn't get angry. He didn't get bitter. He didn't get resentful. He started sharing Jesus, sharing Jesus with the guards that he was chained to. And those guards are now hearing about Jesus and they're going and telling the servants in the household. They're going and telling the other guards in the household. And the gospel is spreading throughout Caesar's household. So much so that within 250 years, Constantine becomes the first Christian emperor of Rome. <laughs> it's incredible. Godly people, ordinary people, just sharing the love of Christ, taking the road less traveled. I'm gonna live with joy. I'm gonna live with purpose. I'm gonna live with peace. I'm gonna live with Christ and watch it impact others. Hey, we are God's people today. We are God's people today. In fact, our vision statement at Rolling Hills says this, a people of God reaching out, growing up, giving all, right? We are God's people today. Paul had his day in generation. The disciples had their day in their generation. Your parents had their day in their generation. It's our turn. It's our time to live as God's people in 2020 and beyond. We ought to be living differently. Hey, ordinary people living fully for Christ will change the world. Will change the world. It's not gonna be some elected leader that's gonna be the savior of the world, right? It's not gonna be some, you know, other person out there that's gonna be, it's Jesus and his people living and sharing the love of Christ with others. That's what changes the world. I received this email uh, a few months ago and it's a, a lady in our church, her name's Lindsay. And Lindsay was brought to church by a friend and, and she came to church and she started hearing about what God was doing and, and reading the word. And she ended up giving her life to Christ and her friend actually baptized her last February. It has been, it's just been awesome to watch her grow in the Lord. And so she wrote me just to tell me a little bit of her backstory. Uh, she's a mom, she's got two kids, one's 12, a daughter 12, she's got a nine-year-old son. And she said she went through a divorce two years ago. And so now here she is, a single mom. And, and she said that her son, her nine-year-old, you know, uh, in the spring was having some real anxiety, some worries, some fears. And, and so a lot of times at night, he's crying himself to sleep. And, and she said, well, here's what happened. I, I went to wake him up this morning. And when I walked into his room, I found this note. I'm gonna show you the note in just a second. But she said, this note, it was heartbreaking, amazing and wonderful all at the same time. Last fall, he was really anxious about his schoolwork and was really upset. And I brought him down to the kitchen and we sat down at the island. And I said, you know what we're going to do? We're gonna pray about it. And we're gonna pray about it. And, and then I showed him the way to pray that you had done in a service a few weeks before. I held my hands up with his hands on mine and we prayed. And then I turned our hands over and we asked God to take away his anxieties and his fears. And then we turned our hands back over and asked God for what he needed, guidance, patience, love, wisdom. My, my son loved it. <laughs> We've prayed this way every single night ever since. A few weeks after that first time, I noticed that he had been making plans for getting his schoolwork done and that he wasn't anxious about it anymore. And I asked him if he was feeling better and he said, yes. And I said to him, do you know why? God did that. You prayed and God listened. He helped you come up with a plan for your schoolwork and he took away your worries. My son was in awe. 
Over the last year, I've finally opened my heart and my eyes to God in a way that I never had before. I was raised going to church off and on, but I was never able to get anything out of it at that time. But then God brought me here and I found the word of God resonating with me. Being a single mom isn't easy, but I've never felt so free of worry and anxiety. I feel so much lighter. And that was why I knew it was time for me to be baptized earlier this year. And it was one of the greatest days of my life. I love that. I want to thank you and the church, our community, and everyone there. My life has changed forever. And the greatest reward is knowing that my son is watching me and taking it all in. He gets it. Guys, I want you to see the note that her son, that when she walked into the room that morning and she found this note to her that her son had written, and it says this, right? I was crying last night like usual, but then I prayed and it helped. Thank you for telling me about God. Thank you for telling me about God. (laughs) Guys, that's it. That's our call. For the peace of God to come into our hearts and our lives and for us then to go and tell others. For us then to go and share his love with others. Hey, where are you today? Maybe if you're honest, you just go, I've been anxious, I've been worried, I've been afraid. Hey, listen, God knows. (laughs) He knows your heart. He knows what's going on in your mind. Today, would you just like Lindsay say, I want to turn it over to God. I want to give it to him. Right where you are this morning, you can say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Come in, forgive my sins. I want to follow you. Maybe you want to go right now in the chat room and you you want to say, hey, would you pray with me? Would you pray for me? We have pastors in the chat room right now. We have people who are there for you. Maybe you want to raise a hand. You can push that button, raise a hand. Say, I'm committing my life to Christ. I'm turning everything over to him. And maybe today you just go, you know what? I got to watch what comes in my mind. I've been dwelling on the things of the world and I've been I've been worried and anxious. I want to dwell on the things of God. I want to be fully committed to Him. Maybe today you'd say, you know what? I need to start sharing the grace of God with others. I need to pour into my kids or my grandkids. I need to pour into my classmates. I need to pour my coworkers. I need to live this out right here, right now. I don't know where you are, but God does. And so I want to invite you just to bow your head right where you are and close your eyes just to block out any distractions. And let me pray over you right now. Father God, here we are. In need of your grace, in need of your peace. Lord, I pray right now for every person watching right here. And God, I pray that you would bring contentment. I pray that you would bring Christ. I pray that we could understand that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. In the battle that I'm fighting, Lord, that that, Father, I can't win on my own, but Jesus, you can win through me. So take away the anxiety and the worry and the fear and fill us with the joy and the peace of Christ. Let us be men and women after your heart, living our lives for you. Let us rejoice in you always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let us raise a hallelujah to the God who is with us and promises to meet every one of our needs. Thank you for the gift of Jesus and the hope we have in Christ. Thank you for Philippians 4 and let it root in our lives and come out as we live every day. We love you, Jesus, and we dedicate our lives to you. In your name we pray, amen.